What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well met, fellow adventurers. Now it is time to return to Castle Balewood and see what they have built there and then what else that they'll need a great hero to do because there's just so much evil in this world. It's just stuffed with evil. There's the Sorceress, there's the original Curse, there's... Lenoras, there's Runeskin, there's just so much evil in this forest, just going around being evil. Honestly, I'm surprised, surprised that these evils aren't just constantly fighting amongst themselves. And they, to an extent they are, but in silence. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on. So there, so these stewards, they're going to need some help. That's fine, because that's what I, as a great heroic adventurer person, are here for. So return to a previously discovered location, Castle Bailwood. It used to be a fog-shrouded fortress, but now I know what it is. It is Castle Bailwood. In I go. Standing atop a small mound that rises at the thick fog swirling across the top of forest floor, you, you stare to the west, your eyes fixed on the imposing woodland fortress, Castle Bell Ward. The four enchanted beacons burn brightly in the topmost chambers of the castle's corner towers, stabbing through the unnatural gloom of the cursed woods. Visit Castle Bellwood. The broad path has been recently cut through the dense tangle of bramble and foliage that surrounds the imposing woodland fortress. You track nearly 50 yards along the path when suddenly your expert eye catches sight of something moving through the dense foliage to the left of the path. With your eyes fixed on the forest, you halt and instinctively draw yourself into a defensive stance. Despite your weary posture, your heart skips a beat as two Okoraks suddenly burst in the undergrowth and step swiftly on the path before you as you prepare to engage the two wooden iron beings. You gaze from movement from the woods to your white. On the right of the path draws your gaze in that direction. There, moving through the trees and stepping into the path before and behind you, are twelve more of the deadly 
magical minions of Koratel, and possibly others. Surrounded on the path by 14 ochre rocks, you come to the swift and deadful, dreadful realization that flight is not possible. Determined to survive this ambush, you quickly position yourself so you will face only one of the wood and iron beings at a time. The first of the dozen, well, more than a dozen, it's 14. Ogrewak steps, silently steps forward and attacks the first of 14 Ogrewak. It's adapted, it's adapted to 11 plus. Swipes with its iron tipped wooden limbs. And it's a toughie. But, down it goes. Bit of healing. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Ogrewak. Prepare to engage the next of your foes. You step forward boldly engaged the next overlocked. It's the second. Uh, oh, and it just scale to 11 plus. Naughty, naughty overlock. You should scale lower. Oh, nearly, nearly got me down that one. These are hard. You have slain this foe. 7 XP. Time to heal some more. Suddenly. Leave a few for me! The voice from behind startles you. You whip your head round just in time to see a chain-clad, sword-wielding woman bounding up the path from the direction of the castle. The slight woman, her dark hair flicked, flecked with grey, rushes past you and boldly engages the first Otorok she encounters, cutting down the silent being with a, with a series of brutal, well-executed strokes. I said a few, not all of them, shouts the woman as she leaps to her right and engages another Otorok. You step forward and engage the next Otorok. It's four of fourteen. Alright. Stakes a staggering blow. You've been stunned. And you're able to act on the next round of combat. Oh, and that is adapted to me. Fortunately, it's just an 8 plus. So it's a lot easier than, than it could have been. 7 XP. You're once more. You glance to your right and spot your unknown ally standing above the shattered remains of let another Otorok. You step forward and boldly engage the next Otorok. It's 6 of 14. Okay, it's adapted to 11 plus. Just gonna bring it. Just got it down. It's another 7 XP. Gotta heal again. Yeah. I think I'll have to build up my restoration pretty soon. Against to your left and spot your unknown ally standing above the shattered remains of yet another Ogorok. Boldly step your body engage the next Ogorok. It's 8 of 14. Swipes with its iron tipped wooden limbs. Oh, and it's scaled to 11 plus. Naughty. Uh, let's see what with us. 
Okay, I'm using Summon Elemental to bring down the two-hit number. Yeah, and that is, now it's the tenth overrupt. Swipes you with iron-tipped wooden limbs, and it is slain. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok, seven experience. Heal again. It's the twelfth one. Oh, and it's scaled once more. Uh, and here we are. 7 XP. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Autorock. Prepare to engage the next of your foes. Yeah, I'm going to need to be... These are... Gonna need to get a bit tougher to easily handle these. And here it is. She dealt with one. It's the 14th and final Otorok. Adapted its combat, fortunately, only to 8 plus. So it is slain. 7 XP. You fall back from the smashed remains of the Otorok. And wipe away the sweat and grime streaking down your brow. 1024 experience to general. The last of the Otorok is now little more than a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron on the ground before you. After pausing to catch your breath, you turn and face the talented swordsman who valiantly came to your aid. She pulls her sword from the remains of the Otorok at her feet and looks in your direction. Woman standing at the edge of the forest, her long, dark, grey flecked hair tied back at her shoulders, adjusts the chain shirt that covers her slight form as she carefully examines the blade of her sword. You turn away from her for a moment as your eyes scour the nearby wood for any sign of Otorok that may yet be lingering in the vicinity. Thankful to find no indication that any remain, you, you again turn towards your unknown ally, only to find her making her way over to you. Such a pleasant spot for a castle, wouldn't you agree, she says, frowning. Haven't been here long by most measures. If we're not afraid to say I've grown just a bit wary of these walking sticks. The woman extends her hands and meets you in, in the shoulder cross. I'm Azalea, commander of the castle watch, she says, turning to gaze at the imposing fortress that rises out of the burning sea of mist that swallows the end the path. You didn't worry about introducing yourself, Zoop. Your name is frequently heard in the castle these days. It most commonly escapes the lips of the steward herself. Ooh, good. Peter is about to say something else, when the sound of approaching footfalls from the direction of the castle reaches you, almost in unison, the two of you turn and gaze warily into the fog, eager to determine the source of the unsettling noise. Only a few moments later, however, four chain-armoured men appear out of the swirling mists that envelop the path. The foremost of the men holds up the whites. Holds up his white hand to Azalea in a sign of respect. 
She certainly admonishes the four men for their late arrival and promptly sends them back to the castle. Each man bows respectfully before turning and striding off along the path that leads up to the wooden fortress. Woodland fortress. The good men, for the most part, she says, turn it back to you. But the brother been a bit more useful a few minutes ago. Certainly not the sort of men I'm accustomed to working with. The man I know wouldn't willingly show what she spent. They wouldn't miss the fight either. Previously, a previous excerpt from Heir to the Flame. Late afternoon, four days ago, on a road north and west in Twithick, known as Scamper Alley, Azela released her tight grip on her left arm and stared down at the seeping gas gash that crossed her limb just above the elbow. She winced and again clamped her hand over the wound. The mark was the result of a split second of indecision, a moment when a companion's scream had driven a lifetime of instinct and two decades worth of battlefield experience from her mind. She sincerely hoped it wasn't a sign she was losing her edge. Turning her gaze northward, she stared along the wide, well-travelled forest road. The edge of the lane, fifty yards distant, sat the first wagon. In front of it, next to a team of four that had drawn its bulk since Migbill, stood the three men with whom she willingly shared this venture. Her co- cohorts, when she had long considered her brothers, had each escaped the ambush with barely a scratch. A fact that was certain to inspire an unwelcome bout of teasing. Her eyes darted to the left of the wagon, where tall grasses grew up at the edge of the road. There, severely battered and seated in the back, in the midst of the thick undergrowth, were the five highwaymen, highwaymen had been taken alive. Despite the enemy's unwillingness to show either she or her companions any quarter, Isaiah deeply regretted that three of them had been killed. These bandits were desperate men, ill-equipped to engage trained fighters. Men who likely may not have had wives and children depend upon their perilous enterprise and its ill-gotten gains. Isaiah looked to the south. Only a few paces from where she sat stood a rugged coach, gnawing the door like that ran through her upper arm and stabbed her in the, and stabbed into her shoulder. She rose and made her way to the side hatch. She pulled open the door and peered into the compartment's shadowy interior. The, stir- the thin, stern face of an elderly man and the full, strikingly beautiful, wide-eyed countenance of a young woman stared back at her out of the gloom. It's over, she says. I dare say you're now glad you didn't choose to haggle over our fee. A previous expert, sings her from air to flame. The elderly man, his lips perked, Pursed as his expression slowly contorted into a frightful scowl, turned and whispered something to the young woman at his side. She looked at her companion, but said nothing in response. Nothing Azalea could hear. Then, then turned away. The old man returned his icy glare to his own and spoke. If it's all quite, if it's all quite through, you must now make haste. For an appointment of some importance, I would like to keep. And the lady wishes to be in Twithick before dusk. I trust we will not be lost in the dark ere we reach the gates. 
Zayla looked at the young woman. Pleasant face and quiet manner seemed in stark contrast to the dour face and harsh tongue of her withered companion. The underwaters elevated this plainly clad woman to such a station. She spoke only through the wretched man those piercing gaze still stabbed out of the wagon's shadowy interior. The guardswoman prided herself on, on her ability to read people at a glance, since at once that it was, was extreme judicious tact that held the young lady's tongue. It was against all her instincts to believe there was nothing more. Behind the silent woman's dark eyes, tucked away beneath the lingering trace of a faint but discernible smile, was something else. The entity remained undefined, yet its undeniable presence spoke equally of joyous wonder and profound unnamed terror. The outcome of her, her attempt to read the inscrutable faces and unclear motives of the two travellers, who had hired her crew in Migsville, hardly mattered. Isaiah already knew who they were. She alone had been told that much, despite her rigid detachment from the shadowy affair dictated by an invisible and unknown paymaster. Pain, it pained her that she was likely leading them to her, their deaths. She nodded at the odd pair and turned away from the coach without haste and able to shake her, shake from her mind the haunting image of the young woman's dark eyes. She turned and made her way along the road to where her three brothers in arms stood waiting. Our queen and our keeper are anxious to be on the move again, she said then turning and glancing at the five battered highwaymen, and speaking loudly enough to produce the desired effect among the brigands. She posed a question to Edgy Nolan. What are we going to do with this lot? If they're, go if, they're if they're to be let go, we'll take their weapons. We'll just as soon take their heads. Isola told you you'd be inspected at the castle for quite some time. The steward of Fogborough, Delania, has routinely expressed her profound interest in meeting you. Without further delay, you follow Israel along the path towards the looming castle. As you step over the thick timbers of the ancient drawbridge that spans the castle's moat, you warily recall your last, last crossing, the onset of your mission to clear the fortress to allow his return. I'm, I'm certain you would have been summoned before now, says Elena as the two of you pause to allow the portcullis to be raised. But I think Our Lady wished her court to be in order before she hosted such a revered guest. Come, quite this way, Zoo. I think you'll be surprised by what you see. Azalea's estimation proves, too, the transformation that's taken place within the walls of Ca Castle Bale is nothing short of staggering. She moved through the grand galleries and statue-lined halls of the woodland fortress. You were immediately struck by the absence of the mist from the forest outside. When your previous visit to the castle, the fog from that from the cursed wood crept along the corridors and filled, filled chambers both large and small. Large numbers of men and women bustled past, bent on carrying out various duties. As you follow his Isaiah through a labyrinth of passages, with every step moving you closer to the Grand Hall and your anticipated audience with Tilaria Baywood. As you leave the gallery of stone and wood sculptures and pass into a wide hall, 
now flanked on either side by ornate arches and an elegant standard sanded drap balconies. You suddenly recall you are drawing near to the grand hall, chamber in which the steward of Fogba holds her court. Alright, this is a description of Tilara. Tilara Braywood. Tilara Braywood is the youngest of the Baywood line. A line of powerful mages has long served as the stewards of the cursed forest of Fogwa. Though not quite twenty years old, Genara displays the grand mastery of magic, for which her ancestral line is legendary. You reach the end of the passage and arrive at a set of tall oaken doors you recall from your last visit. Above the doors hangs an untarnished bronze plaque. Engraved with a fancifully scripted B. Azela moves up to the doors, but before she can lay her hands on them, they are thrown open, revealing the grand, the grand hall of Castle Bearwood. A vast, lavish, brightly lit chamber, filled with what must easily be a hundred people. The din of voices from within the hall spills out into the passage. Swiftly and unexpectedly, the wall of voices face the silence, and the throng within the hall begins to disperse, quietly finding pasture and Azela as they leave the chamber. You're indeed a revered guest, says Azela, turning to you and nodding. She motions for you to step into the grand hall, comply with her unspoken directive, as it follows closely at your heels. No, what? What? No, uh... Uh, uh, okay, and now we're back. As early as estimation... Oh, wait, no. No, 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 I've read that bit. The Grand Hall of Castle Baywood is a wound that might easily serve to put the oldest chambers of many a sovereign to shame. Uh, I don't know if that's smart. <laughs> the art stone ceiling of the cavernous space passes over passes over a room surrounded by the lifelike statues of dozens of stewards of the Bellwood line, men and women who have reigned here over the many centuries since the fortress was built. The northern end of the chamber, fashioned out of a portion of a trunk of an ancient living oak, rises out of, out of the opening in the floor. There is an ornate, flown-like chair. Standing before the throne, garbled in a green and white robe, with long, dark, wispy locks spilling from her head, forming her full, useful, and strikingly beautiful countenance before splashing down on her spin, thin shoulders. It's a woman you've never seen before, but who immediately recognised to be Talana Blairwood. The heir to the flame, the end of the Blairwood line, and the waning steward of Fogborough smiles warmly and bows deeply as you approach the throne. A grand chair, long occupied by her legendary ancestors. Isaiah steps back, bows with Hortonia, then swiftly exits the chamber before closing the door behind her. Not certain of the correct protocol, you bow respectfully, as you return to your full height following the gesture. You find that Chala has descended from the dais through which her living throne passes. She smiles and laughs. This... All of this, she says, her voice unusually soft as she waves her hands about the chamber. 
It is, I'm afraid, a bit more formal than my gospel tune. You'll forgive me if I seem uncomfortable at all. Confess it is all, all a bit overwhelming. You honour me with your visit, Soup. I've looked forward to our meeting ever since I took up residence here. Natalina's soft but assured voice floats through the cold, through the chamber. Feel as if your own instinctive wariness is swiftly melting away. You silently struggle against an eerie and glowing sense of tranquility, seeming a blint on supplanting your natural caution. Ooh, there's a check. There's a bonus of 40. 20 from mine, 20 from spirit, but I get 75 or more. Failure. Despite your best effort, you are unable to stave off the growing sense of tranquility. The strange and unsettling feeling takes root in the back of your mind. Okay. What does this mean? I don't know. Jala, Jala asks you to follow her as she leads you to the north side of the Grand Hall, where a large round disc rests on the sturdy wooden table. Reading note seven distinct symbols have been engraved around the edge of the thick, heavy disc. You study the symbols engraved on the disc. The winding wither, might, a leaping stack, agility, a solid oak, body, a solemn owl, mind, closed eye, or a single flame, spirit, and a pine cone for luck. Suddenly, four spirits melt away, leaving only three symbols. Touch one of the symbols, Zoop. You won't regret it. Okay, now. I'm going to unequip the... I know that these touching these symbols raises, raises your base stats. So I'm going to unequip everything so I know what my base stats are. I'm going to pause while I do that. Okay, now I can see what my base stats are. Agility, body, might and mind are at 20. Aura is at 15. Spirit is at 18. And luck is at 19. So, the only one that needs rising... The one that needs rising the most is Aura. So I shall touch the closed eye. Aura symbol. The moment your fingers brush against the stone, against the stone disc, the symbols carved around its edges, including the ones you've touched, melt away, and the exhilarating sensation courses through you. Your aura has been permanently increased by five. Five. Wow. That brings that to twenty-two. So the only stats that need rising are spirit, which I can wise easy enough with Talara's elixir, and luck, which is just one short. Uh, I don't think there's any way to get that to the max, so I'm just going to have to deal with that. Fortunately, you can have one off and it won't affect the bonuses. More importantly, this has... I think I think this has reduced the trading cost for magic. 
256 experience to general as well. As the sensation fades, Chiladio returns to the, to the centre of the hall and offers you a seat next to her own grand chair. Okay. Yeah, some some things are now easier to train. Not not sure exactly what, but some. Seated next to Lara at the side of her throne, you provide her with her request. A detailed account of your mission to light the castle bacons. Particularly interested in your battle with the Mistwave and your subsequent encounter with Undral Baywood. You clearly recall your encounter with Undral as you were late the event. Within Tula, without a sound, the mistway's form slowly dissipates, moaning into the sea of fog that's now swiftly retreating along, proceeding along the corridor. You step back and place one hand against the passage wall as you struggle to catch your breath in the wake of the brutal struggle. It's at that moment you realise you are not yet alone, lying in the middle of the corridor, several yards to the east. Almost invisible beneath the thin veil of lingering mist that swirls across the floor is the unmoving body of a young man. You wash over to the body and are taken aback to find yourself staring down at the wide, dark eyes of a gaunt but living face. The young man manages a main smile and tries to speak, but a violent fit of coughing suddenly robs him of his voice. You, you clearly recall... You clearly recall your encounter with Umdra as you continue to relate the event to Tara. That which brought Bruin to our line is gone, he says, his voice regaining some of his strength as he senses near to death. My father, Umbra, chose to fight the creature, and it proves his ruin. Ruin in confusion and cowardice, I fled, sealing the fates of those I left behind. Shattering a thousand-year-old legacy of honour. But I returned. It must be known I returned. You immediately realise the young man lying before you is Umbro Bearwood, son of Umbrick, and the last recorded steward of the family's legendary line, despite his gaunt, ghostly appearance. The two hundred years have come and gone since the fateful events he is describing. Umbadrod seems not to have suffered suffered the effects of the passage of time. With a weakening voice, Umbadrod tells you that he returned to the castle nearly a year after he fled. The company of men, eager to reclaim the ancestral fortress for the evil that had infested it, Learned that all fifteen of the men in his expedition were slain before they could enter the castle, but that he had ventured inside alone, seeking to confront the malevolent spirit that had slain his father. Sorry, his father. I'm a creature more powerful than I could, could possibly... More powerful than I couldn't possibly have imagined, he says. It's a demon of frost, fog and mist, the embodiment of the forest creeping curse. Call out to revenge set upon our line, over which we had, for centuries, fought to turn back, only wishing to kill me. Undul tells you the Mistwraith consumed him, feeding off his magical powers, draining his will, and unnaturally prolonging his life. 
can now follow my father, unlike my son and my great forefathers. And to speak, thank you, dear friend. He offered Toby to his feet, but he surely shakes his head. My time is at last at an end, he says, his voice weakened. But there's something I must ask of you. You clearly recall your encounter with Umjor as you continue to relate the events to Tarlinia. Umjor produces a ragged piece of ragged yellow paper and hands it to you. You take the paper and are surprised to find it bears no writing or markings of any kind. A faint glow animates from the paper. You must see that this finds its way into the hands of the Bearwood who will next seek to inhabit this place. If indeed the line has survived, I've known nothing of the world beyond the walls of the castle since that fateful day so long ago. But I had a son. Joins a chance that all has not been lost or forgotten. You hurriedly tell Tolmjor about Arlea and the planned instalment of Talia as the next steward of Fogra closes his eyes and manages a smile. And so at last, alone. And in silence, you witness the passing of Umdraw Bailwood. When you conclude your narrative, Tilera closes her eyes and nods. Thank you, Zoop, she says in her soft voice. Dark eyes reopen and focus him. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you for all you've already done. Thank you. You speak at length with Talaria and quickly learn she's keen to count you among her allies. She goes forward with an ambitious plan to reclaim Fogba from the curse that long ago took hold of it. The state my ancestors made, time and again, shut out the world beyond the wood. For generations we waged a lonely battle against the forest and its evils, often refusing help. I'm proud of my heritage, Soup, but I will not follow such folly. Much of the evil that now stalks this wood comes from out comes from the realm outside its borders. We'll need help of others if we succeed in reclaiming the forest, as opposed to simply containing it. Jilara tells you that she's familiar with Koratel and her army of Okorat. The sorceress who's taken refuge in the in this wood is perhaps the greatest and most intimate danger we face as we work to reclaim the forest. Cannot allow Fogbro to become a haven for our ilk. As we are hoping that endeavour, Zoop, no, I can trust you. You told her that you can count on her help, and you pledge to support her in her efforts in any way you can, while she works to purge the forest of the ancient curse that long ago poisoned, poisoned it. She smiles, and in an instant you see what appears to be a look of relief pass over her face difficult for me to ask you. You've already done so much. There is, I believe, so much more we might hope to accomplish together. Thank you again, Zoop. Now, if you don't mind, taking the liberty of having a small feast prepared. Just a little something to celebrate such a non-guest. The small feast proves to be an extraordinary affair, involving nearly the entire court of Castle, Castle Bailwood crowded into the Grand Hall. As guest of honour, you sit next to Delia, the head of the main table. Directly across from you sits Azana, the master of the watch. 
says little during the feast. The sensitivity is preoccupied. Now and again, you tap sight of her scanning the voice of those who move in and about the hall. During the course of your conversation with the young steward, you ask after her grandfather. You have neither seen nor heard any mention of Lydia since arriving at the castle. Talia tells you that Orlinia was taken ill a little over a month ago, and he has travelled to the eastern portion of the kingdom, seeking a treatment, treated for, for the malady by a renowned healer. The prey will be made well, he returns to us in health, and with haste, to be our mentor, our protector, for so long. You can't know how I've lost I felt without his pa- gentle, patient guidance. He's a dear man, my only fa- and the only family I have left. At the conclusion of the feast, he politely bid farewell to Tanara, and again pledged hope her in any way you can as she prepares, begins her reign as a steward of Fogwa. She passed over the drawbridge and near the edge of the surrounding woods. Lurtis said a sound of footballs from behind. You turn and find your sailor moving swiftly across the bridge towards you. I wanted to speak to you in the hall, she says, stepping off. But I don't like talking in crowded places. You never have. I want to thank you for paying our lady a visit. Your presence here has done much to lift our spirits, particularly in the absence of my grandfather. As Ella tells you, she is glad to know you pledged your hopes in earlier. No, no, only a small, small while she is, and yet somehow, feels if I've always known her, she's certainly an extraordinary soul, and I would, without hesitation, forfeit my life in her service. I was a mercenary not so long ago, and, well, now I seem to be rambling. Just want to let you know that we're proud to serve, serve our lady with soup in any capacity. Meet Azalea with a shoulder cross and bid her farewell. The commander of the castle watch turns and makes her way back across the bridge into the outer bailey of the imposing fortress. When she is gone, you turn and head off into the fog-shrouded wilderness. Okay. That's that, I think. Yeah, okay, I go back again just to see if anything else has happened. You met at the foot of Castle Drawridge by Isaiah, master of the watch in the, sh- in the shoulder cross, leads you into force. Once inside, you're escorted to the great hall, which allows seems both surprised and pleased to receive you. Joe is always interested in learning of your latest ventures, particularly those that occur within the boundaries of the forest, politely take your leave. At length, you bid... Bids her a farewell, and she again tells you you'll always be welcomed as an honoured guest when you visit the castle. You bow politely before the waning steward of Falkwa for making your way out of the woodland fortress. Okay, call off the exploration. Back to Ashley. West. We equip everything. I'll just pause while I do that. Okay. We equipped. Back in Ashley. It's time to save. Once more. And for now, we'll, I'm not quite sure what we'll be doing next. 
I'm going to take a... Well, we'll just see. I'm not sure yet. Until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.